Well, as you know, we're in a series where we're looking at the names of God. And today, if you want to turn in Psalm 23, we're going to be in Psalm 23 this morning. I have a question for you. Any of you guys ever been lost? Okay, I see a couple hands. Come on. This is honesty time. Any of you ever been lost? Yeah. I think all of us have been lost a time or two, especially while driving. I want to tell you, back in the 80s, now this was before GPS was in the car, okay? We had these things called maps. Some of you know about them. Now, I was stationed in South Dakota, and I was going to Southern Illinois, and our town lived, you know, it was right next to East St. Louis, Illinois. And you didn't really want to drive through East St. Louis, especially at night. It was after midnight when we got there. And there were two ways of getting to our town where my mom and dad lived, and that was either going through East St. Louis or staying on the interstate and then getting off after East St. Louis. I took the wrong exit. And I ended up going through East St. Louis. And I'll tell you about it sometime, but let me just suffice it to say, I quickly turned around and got back on the highway. I was lost. Another time, uh, had a friend give us a GPS, and we were using this friend's GPS. And... Um, we were going through Atlanta, Georgia at the time. Anybody been there? Yeah, and this was pretty late at night as well, and I needed some gas, so I really didn't know how the GPS worked. And I got off the interstate, got some gas, and instead, well, actually, first of all, it was late, and the first gas station I went to was closed. So we had to go on down and find another gas station, and the GPS stopped saying those annoying words, recalculating. It was no longer doing that. And I was starting to get scared, starting to get upset. And I was doing some things that I, I'm not proud of, okay? But I was there. And that happens because the GPS isn't perfect. Maps aren't perfect because we have to read them. GPS's aren't perfect because they just aren't. And then another time, I remember when I was uh, in West Virginia. And this time I had OnStar in the car. And that worked pretty well. Just push a button, somebody comes on on the other end, and they ask you how they can help you. And I just said, directions, please. They gave me directions to this person's house. You need to understand, in West Virginia, not everybody lived on, lives on marked roads. A lot of them live in places called hollers, spelled H-O-L-L-O-W, spelled hollow, but they're hollers, okay? And this person's house, I punched in, you know, asked them to give me directions to this person's house, and all of a sudden, the, the OnStar basically said this, you're on your own, bud. This road does not exist. It didn't say that. It really said nothing. But that's what it was really say, telling me. You ever get lost? Just a couple of weeks ago, I had another experience. Uh, Dell and Peggy, they invited us out to lunch. And Dell was telling me where to go in, in order to, you know, where, where he wanted to have lunch with us. 
And uh, he could tell I kind of had this dazed look on my eyes. Didn't really know where he was talking about. So he said, I tell you what, follow me. Oh, I like to hear those words. Sometimes what I need is a shepherd. I need someone who just says, follow me. Today we're going to be looking at the 23rd Psalm. We're looking at a name that David, King David, gives to God. He calls him Jehovah Roi, God, my shepherd. Some people say that David wrote these words when he was a young shepherd boy watching his father's flock, but I don't think so. Because the words, the wisdom of this psalm, it can only be found from somebody who's lived life, somebody who's been wrecked and ruined and, and then been restored. It can only be found through someone who's had learned wisdom of living. And I think that describes David. And I think it could describe some of us as well. So this morning, I want to look at this psalm, Psalm 23, and I want us to look at it, and we're going to read the whole, it's only six verses, but we're going to go through the entire psalm. Normally, if you know, I preach out of the NIV, but today I'm going to use the King James. And the reason is because the King James is so poetic. And I don't know about you, but I memorized it out of the King James, and I, I like the words of the King James for, for the 23rd. 23rd Psalm here. What we're going to see is there are four benefits from making God our shepherd. And the first benefit is this, if you want to write this down. If God is your shepherd, your needs will be provided. Notice David starts off saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now I think of that word shepherd. And when I think I have a shepherd, what does that make me? It makes me a sheep. And the Bible often describes us as sheep, sheep who have gone astray. Uh, you know, the 99 sheep, and he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. The Bible often talks about us as sheep. There are a few things, though, that we need to understand about sheep. One thing is this, sheep are moderately intelligent. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying they're dumb. You don't believe me, I just want to ask you, when was the last time you saw a sheep perform at the circus? Yeah, they don't. You can't teach them anything. Another thing about sheep, sheep have poor eyesight. They can't see very far ahead of them. You know, I think both of those kind of describe me. I, I can't see everything that's ahead, but God can, my shepherd can. I'm moderately intelligent, you know, but God, yeah, he's much more intelligent than I am. The third thing about sheep, sheep have a, a herd instinct that's fatal. They will literally follow other sheep off a cliff. Yeah, this happened in eastern Turkey about 15 years ago. Some of the shepherds, they were, they were having their breakfast and they weren't really paying good attention to the sheep. And one of the sheep came very close to the edge of a cliff. And he ended up going over the cliff. Well, normally shepherd, I mean, sheep will follow their shepherds, but if there isn't a shepherd around, they'll follow other sheep, and that happened in this case. 1,500 other sheep followed that first sheep off the cliff, and many of them, 400 and 
over 400 actually died. And the rest of them, they, well, got injured or by falling on the other sheep, they, you know, it softened their fall and they didn't die. But can you imagine being one of those shepherds having to explain what happened? And that's me. You know, I've got the herd instinct. I'm supposed to follow my shepherd. I'm supposed to follow God, but yet a lot of times I follow other people and they take me in places that are dangerous. Number four about sheep. Sheep are terrible fighters. Sheep cannot defend themselves. And that brings us to number five. If sheep stray away from the pack or if they stray away from their shepherd, they're an easy meal for a wolf. And number six, we see that sheep are totally dependent on a shepherd. I think that describes us, doesn't it? We are dependent on our shepherd. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice here, David calls God, he calls him Jehovah Roi, God my shepherd. He makes it personal. He says, God is my shepherd. Read about an old retired preacher who was trying out for, for a part on a Broadway play. He was going up against, for the part, he was going up against uh, a seasoned veteran, actor, someone who was a, a well-known actor. And in order to try out for the part, all they had to do was read the 23rd Psalm. It was the actor's turn first. And the actor started reading the song. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he went on and on and on, and he did a flawless job. People started praising him for the job he did. And then it was the old retired preacher's turn. And when the preacher started, he could barely get through the first line. He was so filled with emotion. He was stumbling over the words. He, he, he was losing his place. But you could tell. You could tell that it was personal for him. And you could tell that he, he was really talking about the person that he gave his life to. And they say that when the, when the retired preacher was done, they said there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Guess who got the part? The old retired preacher. And when this actor was asked, how could you get beat out by... For the part by a person who had no acting experience. The actor said this. He said, if you'd have been there, you'd understand. You see, I knew the song. He knew the shepherd of the song. David had a personal relationship with the shepherd. And that's why he could say, the Lord is my shepherd. And not only was his relationship personal. It was present tense. He didn't say, the Lord was my shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Like David, I need a right now shepherd. I need someone right now who can take care of me. Right now who can lead me. And that's the shepherd that David's talking about here. So David says, Jehovah Roi is my shepherd. He says, the Lord is is my shepherd. And that word Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Who is he? Jehovah Roi. The Lord 
is my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the God who flung the stars in, my, in space, that's my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the God who parted the Red Sea, the great and mighty, that is my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the God who holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand, that is my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the God who sees me, he is my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the God who is and was and always will be, that's my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the God who made man out of dust, that's my shepherd. Jehovah Roi, the great I am, that's my shepherd. You see, he isn't a wimpy shepherd. He's a mighty shepherd, and he's my shepherd. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's literally saying, since God is my shepherd, all my needs are provided for. I'm taken care of. And not only are all my present needs taken care of, he's saying all my future needs are taken care of as well. Notice what he says. He says, I shall not want. That means present and future. I'm not going to be in want. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He had confidence that God would take care of him now and in the future. And then he says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Do you know there are four things at least that a sheep needs in order to lie down? The first thing is this. They need to be free from fear. If there are predators around and they have any sense of fear, the sheep is not going to lie down. Secondly, they have to be free from friction within the flock. Can't have any friction with the neighbors, you know, got to solve that before the sun goes down or they won't sleep. Thirdly, they have to be free from flies and parasites, those pesky little things. They can bother you. Sheep have to be free from those. And fourth, they have to be free from hunger. I'm told that if any of those four things are bothering the sheep, they will not lie down. But David says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, the shepherd takes care of those things for me. And did you notice where he says, where David says, the shepherd makes him lie down? He said in green pastures. When I read that, my description and my thought for green pastures is knee-high alfalfa that goes on for acres. You know, God plops me here, and I don't need to go anywhere else. I can just kind of stay here forever. I'm provided for. That isn't what green pastures are in the Middle East. Over in Israel, what green pastures are, it's a flat, rocky area, very rocky, and there are little itty-bitty patches of grass here and there, just enough for the day. That's green pastures. And then the sheep, the, the shepherd says to the sheep, okay, it's time in, for, for the next day to move on to the next area of green pastures. In other words, the shepherd provides for the day, just enough for the day. And the sheep follow the shepherd because they know that the shepherd will lead them to green pastures. And he goes on and he says, he leadeth me beside still waters. That word leadeth, that means to gently lead. It doesn't mean to, to drive or to force, it means to gently lead. 
I always go by this philosophy. If I feel like I'm being pushed into something, generally, it isn't wise to go there. And generally, what I find is a lot of times Satan pushes you into things. He drives you into things. But God, he leads you. And another thing about being led by God, if God is leading, that means he's taking us someplace that he's already been. He knows what's ahead. You see, God leads us. Our shepherd leads us. And he gently leads us beside still waters. You ever wonder why the waters had to be still? Think about it. Sheep, all this wool. Sheep are afraid of running water. And the reason they're afraid of running water is because if they get up close and their wool gets wet, they get heavy, and they're not all that strong. And if it's running water, it can sweep them downstream and kill them. So our shepherd doesn't lead us in, in places that are dangerous, but he leads us to still water. And he goes on, he restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul literally means he gives me my life back. And David could say that from experience. David had sinned and it felt like his life was over. He, he didn't know what to do. And yet God restored him. He gave him his life back. So the second benefit of making God your shepherd is this. You might want to write this down. If God is your shepherd, your path will be made clear. He says, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness. It's the shepherd's job to keep the sheep on the right path. It's the shepherd's job to lead the sheep in the right path. And notice, he gently leads him onto the right path. And I want you to notice the reason that he leads him in the right path. It says, it's for his name's sake. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, God's reputation is at stake. When we stray from the path, God's reputation is being sullied. So therefore, God wants to lead us on the righteous paths. The third benefit of making God your shepherd. If God is your shepherd, your life will be protected. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now the valley of shadow of death really represents anything that scares us so much that it petrifies us. And I think for most people, death can be included in that. Because death scares us. Someone said, when life gets hard, you don't need reasons. You need comfort. You don't need answers. You need someone. And I want to say the someone we need is our shepherd. The someone we need is God. We don't, and when God comes, he offers us his presence. And with his presence, he doesn't necessarily give us explanations, but he gives us himself. And God's presence makes us realize that the things that scare us Really, they're nothing more than shadows. And we need to realize shadows can't hurt us. 
The shadow of a dog, it can't, bark, it can't bite you. The shadow of a knife can't cut you. And I want to say the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, it can't kill you. Why? Because Jesus has defeated death. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And here, all of a sudden, the psalm takes a dramatic turn. Up to this point, David had been talking about God, his shepherd. And now, all of a sudden, it's as though he's talking to God. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Now he's talking to God. David says, I don't fear death because you're with me. And not only are you with me, but you've got your rod and you've got your staff with you. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now the rod and staff were a couple tools that the shepherd used. Two of the primary tools that he had. The rod was basically a club. And he'd use that in, in order to defend the sheep. In order to hit any of the predators, like a wolf was coming up or something, and he would hit it with the rod. The staff was basically a big cane, and he would use this cane to kind of guide the sheep in the path that he wanted them to take. He would also use this cane, it would have like a little crook on the end of it, and he would use it to get a sheep out of the ditch and bring it to safety. Or he would reach into the briars if a, a sheep got caught in the briars, and he would pull the sheep out. So when the, when the shepherd had the rod and the staff, that was basically his way, way of saying that the shepherd could protect and rescue his sheep. And David said, your rod and your staff, they bring me comfort. And he goes on, he says, thou preparest a table before me. What's a table? Well, a table is what many of us are going to eat at this afternoon, isn't it? A table, you have the... Your, your lunch is set out on a table. Well, for the sheep, a table would have been a flat, rocky area. And what the shepherd would do is he would go in that area before the sheep went there, and he would look for plants that might, might be harmful to the sheep. He would pull out those plants. He would prepare the meal for the sheep by removing anything that could harm the sheep. So thou preparest the table before me. And where did he prepare the meal? It says, in the presence of mine enemies. A lot of times there would be wolves and other predators around, but, and the sheep, they wouldn't eat if the wolves and predators were around, but they would if the shepherd was there because they knew that the shepherd was there to protect them. So while the enemies were going hungry, the sheep were getting well fed. And he says, thou anointest my head with oil. When the sheep came in for the night, what the shepherd would do is he would count the sheep one by one as they came in, and he would inspect them. And if he saw that there were any bruises or cuts on the sheep, he would take some oil and he would rub that oil on them, and, and that would soothe them, and it would start the healing process. Another thing we know about oil for the sheep, the shepherds would add some sulfur to the oil and they would put that sulfur on the sheep's horns or on the head and that would ward that was kind of like an insect repellent it would ward off all of the flies and keep the flies from coming around 
Because what the flies would do is if they didn't have this oil on them, the flies would literally land on the nose of the sheep. And they would go into the nose of the sheep. And I could just imagine how annoying that would be. But they would lay their eggs in there. And then the eggs would hatch. And after the eggs hatched, the larva would climb up into the brain of the, of the sheep. And that would drive them crazy, literally. And the sheep would then run their heads against a wall or something, trying to, you know, because it was just bothering them so badly. So David said, my shepherd anoints my head with oil. And therefore, the flies don't ever come around and bother me. And that would keep them from laying the eggs in the first place. And he goes on and he says, my cup runneth over. That's to say, oh, I'm always going to have enough. I'm always going to have it. What's so precious in the desert? Water. And he's saying, my cup runs over. I have all the water I'll ever need. And finally, the fourth benefit of making God your shepherd. If God is your shepherd, your eternity will be secure. He says, surely in goodness, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, my shepherd has two sheepdogs. One's named goodness and one's named mercy. Yeah, they're dogs. They aren't cats. I, I, I know they're dogs by what David says here. He says, they follow me. You ever try to get cats to follow you? Yeah, cats, they've got a mind. They won't follow you unless you've got something that they want heard about one guy he had some fish in his pockets to, to get the cats to follow him Ooh, what's he got in his pockets is he's got fishes in his pockets is yeah cats won't follow you unless you've got something they want but dogs dogs follow you don't they because they love you so you can't keep a dog from following you and God's got two sheep dogs, one named goodness and one named mercy, and they follow you. And this word here for follow, the Hebrew word for follow means to pursue you. You see, these two dogs won't ever stop pursuing you. And if you stray from the path, if you get off of God's path, then all of a sudden you're going to find these dogs barking at you and nipping at your heels. And they're saying, only a fool would leave God's path of righteousness. Only, God, only a fool would leave God's goodness and his mercy. And so they keep us on path. And David concludes the psalm with these words. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David said, my shepherd not only takes care of me here and now, but he takes care of me for all eternity. I don't fear the mountain of death. Because on the other side of that mountain is the house of God. And I get to live there. That's what David's saying. You know, while I was preparing this sermon, I ran across a verse that kind of blew me away. It's found in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we see that John the Baptist had just been born. And then John's father, he prophesies about him. And this is what he says. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 76. He says of his son, he says, And you, my child, John, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. In other words, a prophet of God. 
for you will go on before the Lord, go on before Jesus, before the Messiah, to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun, Jesus, will come to us from heaven to shine on those, those living where? Those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet where? Into the path of peace. In other words, on the right path. You see, he prophesied that his son would prepare the way for the one who would shine on those living in the darkness of the shadow of death and that he'd guide our feet in right paths. In other words, the paths of righteousness. In other words, he said Jesus would do for us what David said that God did for him in the 23rd Psalm. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus laid his life down for us. And I just want to say this morning, if you're lost, if you're in a ditch and you feel like, you know what, I can't get out. You don't need a map. You don't need a GPS. You don't even need OnStar. What you need is the good shepherd. You need a shepherd to take you out of that ditch and to lead you back home. That's Jehovah Roe. That's my shepherd. And the question is, do you know him? Do you know him as your shepherd? I want you to notice, I didn't ask, do you know him as your savior? There's a difference. I asked, do you know him as your shepherd? In other words, do you follow him? Do you hear his voice? Do you do what he says? Because if you don't do that, then he isn't your shepherd. I want to let you in on a secret. I don't have any fear of death. I don't. I don't fear death. But I want to tell you something that I do fear. I fear coming to the end of my life and finding out I didn't make a difference with my life. That my life didn't really have a purpose or any meaning behind it. You see, I don't want to come to the end of my life and realize that I just wasted my life. And I think there are a lot of you out here today who feel the same way I do. You don't want to come to the end of your life and realize that you wasted it. And if you don't want to do that, then do this. Make sure that you make the Lord your shepherd. Follow him. Because if you make the Lord your shepherd, I can guarantee you of this. He's going to lead you in an area where your life does make a difference. Where your life makes a difference for all eternity. Bible commentator William Barclay, he said, there are two great days in a person's life. The day he is born and the day he discovers why. Our shepherd says, follow me and I'll show you why you were born. Just one thought I want to leave you with and really it's a question. If God is my shepherd, where is he calling or where is he leading me to make a difference with my life. Heavenly Father, you are our shepherd. And Father, we know that Jesus is the great shepherd who would leave the 99 in safety and come and bring us 
to safety. So, Father, we thank you for that, but we know that you have rescued us for a purpose. You've saved us by your grace through faith, but there's a reason you did that, to do good works. And, Father, the only way that we're going to know what those good works are is to follow you. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has not made you Lord and Savior, that they do that today. But more importantly, for those of us who have made you Lord and Savior, if we have not made you our shepherd, if we are not following you in your ways, but if we are following others and following them off the cliff, I pray, Father, that we realize that it's only in following our shepherd that we can really live a life that makes a difference and has meaning and falls under your protection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.